So I was recently at a group dinner and I had this good sort of one-on-one conversation with this woman who, and we were talking about um, just our current framing and understanding of power and humility and like women sharing power and um, rising together and we had like we in our conversation we uh, referenced a bunch of books including Brené Brown and this other um, Oh, I wish I remembered the name. Anyway, we referenced a bunch of books and things we made, and it felt like really good. So when we got back to the full group, we were like, we just had our podcast conversation. And um, I thought that was cool. And then I like excitedly started to say, yeah, like at Mount Kaz, we started like recording our conversations as a podcast. And then she said, um, she said, um, oh, I don't know what is it? She like in a deflating kind of way, like, oh yeah, because we have like such good opinions, like in a sarcastic way. Um, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, <laughs> well, no, we I, do, but I mean, it was just like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not wrong. <laughs> yeah, but it, but it was, but I was like, it was so deflating, and I felt myself shrinking because it's sort of that idea of like if you're not an expert, you can't have a podcast. Mm-hmm. And like the reason we do this fashion is because it's it's because it's like the zine ethos mm-hmm. of like we did have a good conversation, yeah. and we, that was useful to have language around it. And what if it was shared? Like it didn't. Anyway, hmm. I see the podcast as creating an archive of the community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like this is our Mount Cass community archive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is awesome to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, which yeah. yeah. So it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with like reach or audience, but has more to do with. Like preserving some element of whatever, like the magicness, right, that mm-hmm. can come from these community conversations, mm-hmm. so that we can listen to it again, or someone else can listen to it, mm-hmm. or like how Maria Popova talks about brain pickings as a, a, a record of her becoming. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. sort of feels like this. How's that? Mm-hmm. Of like, what does that mean? So for her, when she started it, it was like, here's what I'm reading, and here's what I'm thinking about, and here's um, what I'm learning. It's almost like the archive of how her thought process and how she thought about things grew. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's less like she had to figure all that out before she writes mm-hmm. a book about it. Mm-hmm. It's more like, here, I would just share along the way. <laughs> Here's what I'm thinking. And that's how I feel about this podcast. It's like, it's the que- we don't actually have answers to a lot of these questions. Yeah. <laughs> We're like just asking a lot of mm-hmm. questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that, that collecting something in the moment, mm-hmm. you know? Um, especially when it comes to being an artist and trying to produce work to share, there's often like the block of like, is this, is this share ready? Mm -hmm. Is this ready to like put out into the world? I'm like, who the fuck cares? And like, just make a thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like just do something and then let it grow from there. Take stuff out later, add new things, Mm -hmm. you know, but like, we don't have to wait till something's finished to actually like, or, or we have become, we can be becoming in the process while we're also sharing. I feel like that's living authentically and like to kind of bring it back to your story, I think that's the difference between, like, what's worth sharing. Oh, we have such great opinions. They're authentic opinions. Mm-hmm. They're authentically arrived to. We think about them. And therefore, yeah, it is. It, they are good opinions. They mm-hmm. may not be shared widely, but, like, they're still authentic enough to kind of provoke new thoughts in other people as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And that's why I felt like it's an interesting entry point to the conversation about education because I think a lot of people think about a journey of learning as getting to that end point mm. of I have learned the thing, now I can teach it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Versus 
we're always just learning. Mm-hmm. And can we just share in that journey of learning together? Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. think we really embrace the benefits of the process of learning mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as much as we talk about how great it is to know things mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or to get a certificate or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to yeah. get a degree. Yeah. 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 Um, but really, if you're paying attention, then you just learn how much you will never know. Right? You'll never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm Christina. I'm Aranea. I'm Alicia. I'm Jen. Welcome to Dispatches from Mount Kaz, conversations from a creative community. In this episode, four non-masters question the conundrum of power, equity, and education through stories over tea. Um, This is making me think, actually, it's a combo of what Jen and Christina just said, Um, And also this whole like separate conversation around mission, vision, and values. And what's the difference between all of Mm -hmm. them? That's making me think about, um, I'm in a graduate program right now and I'm in my last year and I'm doing my thesis project. Um, And now it's making me think like, oh, why don't we as students have our own mission statement for our own learning Mm -hmm. or like our Mm -hmm. own vision for our own learning Mm -hmm. so that my, I'm literally thinking of this right now so that my thesis project isn't just I need to do it Mm. to get a degree but actually like here are the three things or the one thing that I really want to experience or get out of Mm -hmm. or learn in this process yeah yeah I wonder what that would be I'm gonna think about that (laughs) (laughs) so this is like what if uh what if students had Mm -hmm. had mission vision values mm. for how they're doing their their learning yeah. mm-hmm. instead of just focusing on outcomes I remember a professor trying to ask me a question that was in that vein mm-hmm. during my senior show which is too late in the game <laughs> <laughs> it's too late in the game to be asking that question but they were asking me if I wanted to live in a big or small town mm-hmm. because that would affect because all they were thinking about was graphic design in the corporate sense. So all they were thinking about, if you're going to live in a small town, your level of graphic design doesn't have to be super polished because you're going to be the big fish in a small pond. But if you're going to live in a big city, you're probably going to find any job that you want to, but if you want to stand out, you got to work real. Like, that's that's where their mind was. Which is sort Hmm. of in the, like, what do you want in life kind of question. But I really wish it had gone down the, like, why why do you make art? What, What do you want to see out of the art that you make? Mm-hmm. Maybe that should inform the art that you make rather than, yeah. do you want to be really good in a small town or really sucky in a big city? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's an unfortunate way to phrase that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But also, can, is it possible to answer those questions as like a 21-year-old person? Because I agree with you in grad school. Yeah. Would have super helped me. I yeah. think I, I stumbled my way after grad school into what I want to be doing anyway and like I was I'm able to kind of see this for myself now mm-hmm. but damn mm-hmm. like 10 years ago yeah. no I think it's I think it's less about um asking let, let's just say an 18 year old somebody who's starting college mm-hmm. starting an undergrad program it's less about asking the question and expecting them to know the answer mm-hmm. but more mm-hmm. about teaching them how to think about it mm-hmm. rather than about the grades that they're going to get and the degree that they're going to get but rather, like, mm-hmm. having them already be in that mindset. Mm-hmm. Because it took me... When did I graduate? 2012. So, yeah. 
seven years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it took me seven years to figure out how to think about my art mm-hmm. in this way. And it's not because I'm older and smarter now. It's just because I spent a little bit of time thinking about it in that framework. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a little bit being older and smarter because yeah. that's based think, off of experience as well. Yeah. Like being smarter is I based think off the, of the I think it's more likely that I'm going to have the answer for what, how I want to at least approach my art right now. But... But you could have asked. You could have been asking those questions. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Because what does an eighteen-year-old know about like how they're going to be successful in their career? Either <laughs> they don't even they know don't. if they're going to be doing what they're studying. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of people don't. Um, one of the classes I have right now it's called Mass Communications and Society. Super fun. And or <laughs> Media and Society, mm-hmm. I think, would be more aptly named. And the professor has a lovely. Um, a way of beginning where we have to do like a final paper or some sort of like multimedia project. Um, But she says, you know, don't think about what the final product will be. Think about what, like, what is some burning question you have that's related to the topic, right? Mm -hmm. Or like, what's something that's really, you really want to know, Mm -hmm. that you really want to spend some time thinking about, exploring, etc. And I love that she starts there, Mm -hmm. because it's less about what's going to help you, you know, have a bite-sized chunk to turn into a paper, but it's more like, what is your burning question for Mm -hmm. this moment, Mm -hmm. right? In this context. And then like going from there. So there's something like... If when I was 18, someone in college could have asked me that, like, hey, you're going to be here for four years, for example, um, what do you hope you better understand afterwards? Or what Mm -hmm. do you want to try or like really hope to know or, you know, Mm -hmm. have studied or Mm -hmm. something like that? It would have been a really interesting experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's shifting the focus to like, the time you're going to be spending working on the thing um, mm-hmm. and like what do you want to be how do you want to be doing that and what do you want to be exploring during that mm-hmm. um, instead of having all of that time be focused on or being defined by the mm-hmm. end outcome yeah I feel as talking around sort of the problem with education in a real way because I'm thinking about like what if what if someone had, I think I had been asked that and it was phrased more like, what are you going to do with art history? <laughs> and that's such a good question. And honestly, I just wanted to learn about art mm-hmm. and, and cultures through art. And I think I achieved that, um, or achieved a way of thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was not communicable to the people who questioned my choices. Mm-hmm. Um, because the demand, you know, the, the, the right answer is where trained is like mm-hmm. to get a job to pay off my student loans, right? And then to pay off my mortgage. Um, And so super cynical about education in this country. And I am an educator and I love education. I love, I love learning. Don't love education in this country, but it's all about like, it's all about money. It's all about like Mm. making money, passing money from my hands to yours, Mm -hmm. essentially. And that sickens me (laughs) in a lot of ways. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That was even worse than what I had in my mind. <laughs> like, what's wrong with education in our country? <laughs> what was yours? Well, my version is just that it is so... Uh, I mean, it was a lot of the, the models that we have for education were created during times of, like, mass production and factory workers mm-hmm. and, and, and training people to, to get a job, which, you know, in, 
is tied to what you were saying around money and capitalism. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, for me, it was all, it's about the structures of that being very um, industrial and very... Um, like the factory, where you're, it's like you're being mm-hmm. funneled through and it's all about like... It's the, the Paulo Freire's mm-hmm. um, banking model, where it's like the teacher has knowledge and they're going to like deposit it into the student. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when you're full, you get to graduate and mm-hmm. then go deposit it into other people. <laughs> <laughs> Creepy, like you see, like yeah, like someone the, like like a like a coin slot in your forehead that someone's just like feeding coins into. That's what I see. All right, I did gross. not see that. Before. No, it made sense. I didn't see that. And now I don't you like do. it. Now you feel it. Yeah. Uh. Well, in my end, I think part like maybe I I was starting to be critical about education before I had a lot of frameworks and analysis and like this more systemic intersectional understandings of things mm-hmm. um, to think about it but I always my criticisms of it were always around the structures of it of how like if you think of a classroom in your head a lot of times that will be students in rows looking at a teacher right mm-hmm. and there's a head and there's an authority figure mm-hmm. um, and that's just so persistent and I think like a lot of what I try to do is is question that a lot and restructure the room and literally reshape the room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like mm-hmm. to um, question where is the knowledge coming from? Where is the wisdom coming from? How do we center or decenter those things? Mm-hmm. Are there times when that structure is good? Or is it just that that structure is always bad and we need to just find a bunch of different other ways to, I don't know, learn yeah. slash teach. I think, I think there are times that that structure is good. I think that there's some practical knowledge or practical skill that can be derived from like, look at me do this thing. Mm-hmm. Like there's some of that, but then there, it has to come with hands-on practice. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I'm thinking of like cooking class. Like that was one of the most effective classes I've ever taken hmm. um, in high school. And that I had like, you know, I'm going to make an omelet. This is what I do. Mm-hmm. And now everyone else make an omelet. Mm-hmm. And that worked really well yeah I think it's more about um the plurality of ways to learn yeah because I love that example that you just shared is like a cooking class because there's like another way to learn is you're standing next to someone at the stove and they're like here's how you do the omelet Mm -hmm. (laughs) and another way to learn is Mm -hmm. uh, trying it yourself 20 times and being like here's how to do an omelet (laughs) or the the, what is it the great British what's that show yeah right when they're like here's a recipe here are some mystery ingredients go (laughs) and no instructions and no exactly (laughs) great British Bake Off is a great example of that also because they have so much encouragement inherent right, to yeah. their practices <laughs> is they are mm-hmm. teaching people how to make really complicated recipes but then are also like really sweet and like <laughs> yeah, exactly. like they give constructive feedback and it's never really mean you know it's a little harsh sometimes but it's like because we want you to excel you might want you to grow and skill and like so this can be hard to hear sometimes but they're also like please keep baking you're doing such a good job and it just is the best thing yeah. makes me so happy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's great the GBBO. Mm-hmm. Learning model. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would say that they're not particularly teaching anybody. I feel 
feel like I've learned a lot. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're not competing. This is true. <laughs> you know? This is true, yeah. I feel like I learned so much from watching it, but mm-hmm. I don't feel that, that it's necessarily a, a learning opportunity for... It's definitely a learning opportunity for the, the bakers mm-hmm. because they're... That's through that's experience and seeing other things. Yeah, that's the question. Can yeah. you do a learning without mm. teaching? You don't need a teaching. <laughs> well, huh. you don't always. Need you don't a teacher. always need. A that's what I'm saying. I, I don't think any of this is wrong. I think it's just yeah. like we have one predominant model yes. that like is so pervasive. Yeah, and we have decided that that is the, that only, is the way. only way. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and it's not. And, and it's not. It's such a specific model. Exactly. Too. Yeah. Like I have seen this model operate and function with different vari- variations of success, but with like small changes. So we have an alternative high school in town called College Hill. And um, so the traditional model of school that we're talking about, like like Christina said, is like teacher at the head, bunch of students in rows, you know, 45 minutes to 90 minute long periods on the same subject, chapter, review, discussion, homework, come back, chapter, review, discussion, homework, like that specific of a model. Versus at College Hill, there's still an instructor. The students are generally in rows, but they're also, like, learning from texts, and they, like, raise their hand, I need help with this, like, part of it. It's still pretty much the same power dynamic where there is someone with knowledge and people acquiring that knowledge through traditional media, like textbooks and, and computers and tap, laptops, things like that. Um, but just, like, the change in in like just the small structure when you finish this assignment you go ahead and move on to your next class like leave the room Mm. go somewhere else Mm. this is Mm -hmm. on your pace that is the only thing that's truly different about that place and they are so widely successful with the students that they serve Mm. it's incredible like any amount of agency Mm. or power that the students yeah (laughs) just the littlest amount (laughs) and the best testament to that is that the students themselves unprompted will be like this is the best school i've ever attended and it's because the faculty like, we share power in the room. Like, they know mm. that little bit of power is shared with them, and they excel with just that. Mm. It's incredible. Yeah. Hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That I think because awesome. it's like some, like, we can get stuck talking about structures, and it's like not about, again, there's not an answer. There's not a right or wrong answer. Mm-hmm. It's really about how do we share power? Mm-hmm. How is there shared power, and how is there um, honoring that everyone in the room has? something to offer and something to learn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know, I'm thinking of, um, because Christina has taught and Jen has taught, like, um, have you taught? You haven't taught? I also have not taught, although I want to try. Mm-hmm. Um, is that, like, your ways of being a teacher or instructor seems to be less, like, knowledge transfer and more holding space? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would you would, would you that? say that's true about you? It's I like true. I explicitly say that about me. So I'm looking at Jen and asking yeah. if you also well, consider it that so, way. So not only have I taught, I've taught these two. Yes, so <laughs> and I like I revisit this in my mind. I have two stories about being an educator. One a huge failure, and one just like oh, I guess that's me, just revealing itself. Um, the experience with you guys was that oh, that's me. Um, which was which was we were at the um, I was doing the artist statement workshop with my friend Claire at the art center and this was just a couple of months ago really mm-hmm. um, I think it was in the summer and it was a two-part class in the first part we just we really did do that like here's a bunch of knowledge here's some resources and we also had discussion kind of built in which was super easy because we were all kind of coming to it voluntarily there was no power dynamic but it, there, there was in that I have some information that I'm giving to you. You don't necessarily have information you're giving to me in this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at one point I said something like, this is how you should do your artist statement. It should include these things. And hearing that, 
I also felt it was necessary because I'm among my peers and people mm-hmm. that like I don't have more information than you. Mm-hmm. I was like, actually, just you do whatever you want. I don't care. But then I was like, no, I do care. <laughs> but I mean, I don't need you to do it the way I think you should do it. You should just do it however you want to do it. And then, and then inherent to that was like, why are why are we here? <laughs> why did I why did I create this situation where I'm just gonna stand here being like, I don't I don't know. You do whatever. <laughs> Which was so funny because it was so helpful. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, so the, I'm saying the workshop was so helpful, even though you were like in the middle of teaching it. We're like, wait, <laughs> do whatever you want. The... <laughs> I still feel like I got so much out of it. I'm really glad. Um, so my failure, though, just to kind of book wait, 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 let's. Oh. But what was that? What was oh. it about that that was like the you were you and it was a success? Just, well, I guess it was successful. It was successful for me to feel like um, while I slipped into that um, more power dynamic, power structure, traditional, I see a triangle, like a pyramid, someone mm-hmm. at top. Um, well, I slipped into that a little bit. I had enough self-awareness to be like, actually, we're all just kind of learning this together. And at that point that I was teaching that, I still hadn't written my own yeah. artist statement. And it was a goal for me to write my own artist statement. And I did learn a lot. Um especially from the discussion we had, and I think about what RNA said in the second discussion, that um, for your own artwork, if it if your artwork doesn't match what you say in your artist statement, then it shouldn't go on your website. Mm-hmm. And and I love that because like I make mm-hmm. all sorts of things mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Does it all need to go up into my portfolio? And it really shouldn't and doesn't, you know? Yeah. And I like I, that sticks in my mind when I think about rewriting the statement and what I put out yeah. there. Yeah. So we did end up learning from each other. Mm-hmm. And so that I feel like is a huge success in an educational experience that we have. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like your lecture, the first half of it, even reflected your ideas about education, which is that there are a lot of, there's many, there's there's different ways to skin a cat, right? There's more than one way to skin a cat. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Said by cat lovers. Because you were saying things like, your artist statement should be concise. But also, here's an example that's, that like, two pages place. long, and everyone loves this artist, and he's really great, too. So, like, who am I to say? You should not use yeah. jargon. But here's an example. But here's an example of jargon. Make up your own mind. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. which I liked, because it gave a lot of freedom with yeah. it. Because it's like, okay, here's, here's the rules. Here's why they are rules. Here's also ways to break them, and the reasons why you would do that. Yeah, so. they're in art education, mm-hmm. you know, break all the rules, yep. mm-hmm. steal all the things. Mm-hmm. I mean, and in that, as someone who didn't attend, I also see um, it's it's more about the process, right, mm-hmm. than about the content in some ways. Like, the or it's process. as much about the process. As yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's the example of the, the failure? Oh, the failure. The failure was... The quote-unquote failure. It was, I definitely hold it as a failure. Mm-hmm. Um... When I was a Catholic school teacher, I was teaching art to pre-K through eighth grade, and I love Christian art. I think it's just like it's what I went to school for, mm-hmm. and so I was super excited to teach it. And I, you know, I have a lot of knowledge about characters from the Bible, and just wanting to share that with the students. And it being like an environment where that is something that I can truly do mm-hmm. was very unique to me. Um, so I got very excited and was basically describing who Mary Magdalene was, and used a common misnomer that she she was a prostitute. That is really irrelevant to, like, everything about her, and it was just sort of a failing and falling back into some sort of structure that I didn't question enough and didn't demonstrate questioning enough to the students. 
um, with a group of third graders, the very first question that someone's going to ask is, what's a prostitute? <laughs> and the failing that I had, I think I've told this story before mm-hmm. in groups, but um, the, like I, I buzzed for a second in a conservative Catholic school. What do, what do you like my superiors and the parents want me to say? Mm-hmm. What is it they would want me to say if they were standing in this room right now? And that's who I deferred to um, by saying prostitutes are people who do bad things for money. And I left it at that, and I did not return, and I was like, we were moving on so quick. It was the worst failing of being an educator ever, ever for me. And, like, it's one I try to remember and try to bring up frequently whenever I talk about education, especially with some amount of authority and experience about education. Like, this was a big one. Um, Because I left that child with absolutely no knowledge whatsoever. I upheld, like, a power dynamic that I don't agree with. And, like, a perspective on, honestly, just sex work that I don't agree with at all. And I propagated that and because of my discomfort. Because I chose my comfort over their knowledge and their understanding of the world in a better way. And, like, it, like that haunts me. So that was the failing. So much respect and integrity. Like, <laughs> me that, too. Um, like, respect so, for you that you... Yeah. That, that is your ex- one example yeah. of, like, failing because also, of the integrity of doing that. Because you're not wrong. That it was a failing. Mm-hmm. You're not wrong in, in how you feel. I thought I thought you were gonna be like, oh, it just didn't. They didn't like it, and I just felt really bad. And I thought it was gonna be like a, yeah, sure, you failed, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a really great example. Mm-hmm. Because, but it's also, I mean, like, it's not great that it happened, mm-hmm. but it's you didn't waste it. You didn't waste that mistake, right? <laughs> you know, you've taken that obviously, and you've you've seen. You've used it as an example mm-hmm. for what's important to you. Yeah. So it's like a Reddit handle now. Yeah. <laughs> Bad, Bad things, things for money. It's, good, it's like a band name. Yeah, like, it's totally a band name. <laughs> Super into it. Um, I was gonna say that um, how you were saying how you could have the the entire same structure of school and just change one thing and it would make all the difference. I feel like if every teacher showed up with that amount of integrity of being like self-aware and being able to be authentic and like honest about uh, who they are and how they're teaching, um, that would make such a huge difference, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you you are using that example and saying it <laughs> to teachers yeah. when, you are, when you're in the position. It's also so easy to say that I will have integrity as a teacher, but it's really difficult. It's really difficult. Like, really difficult. Because it's not like you were teaching a sex ed class for third graders or whatever the equivalent, whatever they call it, the equivalent for third graders. <laughs> you weren't prepared to teach that, right? You, you didn't have the, the framework for the appropriate, like, words, the appropriate way to frame something for a third grader. And that that is... I think that one of the bigger failings mm-hmm. in that situation, yeah. I should have been prepared. I should have known, like, I am entering an environment where I have knowledge and they're looking to me to understand something that they don't know. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think it's a, a, probably a larger framing, larger failing that you use the word prostitute without being prepared to mm-hmm. describe it. You don't have to be prepared to <laughs> do sex education in an, in an art history, in an art class for third graders. I don't know. I, I don't well, totally agree. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the... Sex <laughs> <laughs> ed everywhere. Everywhere, all the time. Oh, okay. Actually, actually, yeah. 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 Absolutely. <laughs> Shout out to Claire. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> well, that's that's a whole other. I'm like, where do we go? Because there's so many ways to go. Yeah. <laughs> like one way to go is that I think part of that is that um, teachers are in such a bind around that they do have conflicting. Um, needs that they need to attend to and pressures and like like things like they're contradictory right um like the reason those the parents and superiors voices were in your head and like what Mm -hmm. you're meant to do was there is like all exists alongside here's a kid asking a genuine question and i can like walk with them in answering this and giving Mm -hmm. them something Mm -hmm. um those always coexist and because the structures of school and educational institutions are more about um, knowledge transfer and success within capitalism and mm-hmm. like learning the skills to do good at your job or whatever. Um, those are often out of line with um, what we actually, what, what so many teachers go into teaching wanting to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I think all of my failures in teaching are because my ideals around what I wanted to do I could not. I couldn't reconcile them mm-hmm. with the structure of you have a limited time, and you have to like meet these certain criteria, and you have to like give these X number of skills. Um, when we were asking, like when I wanted to be asking different questions, um, I don't remember at all what school this describes, but I know when I was on like an alternative education, like alternative models kick, probably in college just like Googling, because Google did exist um, (laughs) by the end. Um, All these like random different models for um, how someone could like, quote unquote, get public education. The coolest one was always one that was like all, um, there were no subjects and it was always built around like questions. And the questions would always involve like Mm. having to look up you know, like some math and some physics to like help build this thing. But then you also need to learn about materials. And then there's also the element of learning about like cultural or social um, norms for those Mm. materials or something like that. Yeah. And I always loved that model, right? Because it's all question centered and like, yeah. yeah. Um, They call it interdisciplinary. I don't know what they call it. Well, not that, not that specific way. I remember in, Middle school. Might have been like, we'll say sixth grade. I don't know. I remember they tried to do one, I think it was a semester, where we learned about the same thing in each of our different classes. Mm -hmm. So in our history class, we learned about the history of that thing. In our English class, we learned about a opera that was around that thing. All I remember is the English class because we had to learn about the opera De Fledermaus, which is the bat. And then we got to go see it. <laughs> the Fledermaus. That's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> the flying mouse. Yes. Um, but I also remember that it didn't... Like, I don't remember what the overall subject was. Mm-hmm. I don't remember why they had decided to try it. I think they probably considered it a failure because I never experienced that way of learning again at that school. But I think framing it around a question Mm -hmm. makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. Because there's, like, they had decided what the topic was, and they had decided that they were going to do that interdisciplinary way. 
but there was nothing for you to attach it to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in that, so in that way that you've described, each each of the different disciplines was leading towards answering a part of that question or the question as a whole. Whereas this one, it was like I don't even know. It was it wasn't it, was it wasn't learner directed. Yeah. Right. So the models that I've heard similar to what Alicia's talking about, um, like Brightworks, everyone should look up Brightworks. <laughs> they okay. are great. Um, or Montessori or other things where mm-hmm. it's the well the the image that's in my head right now really strongly is the little kids who are like trying to build. I don't know, like a go-kart or something, right? Like, we're, when we're kids, we have so much curiosity, mm-hmm. and we want to, like, we want to learn so, all the things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we want to, like, you know, use all of that knowledge to, like, work on things together. We're, like, trying to figure out, like, we're not framing it as, like, I need to learn physics. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's more like, how do I make this go faster? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and therein, you know, mm-hmm. um, Brightworks is a private... Um, school in San Francisco um and they've re they like part of it was like redoing all the language so instead of calling it students and teachers um they call it different things and um instead of having like classes based on age they would have bands of students who learn together so you would have like um two or three year age spans within the same band and then you have sort of the leader which is the teacher um and each band would have, you would have like maybe like six bands in the in the school, and then um, each arc of learning, you'd have a, a central theme for the for everyone in the school. So maybe the theme is like um, plants, um, but each band would get to decide what's the question that we're exploring together, and they would have like field trips and do different things, and then each. Uh, team of students would actually have to propose projects <laughs> that they like write up a little proposal and take it to the head of the school and be like here's our budget and here's what we want to make and here's what we want to do and then that would be like their project for that drives some of their learning for like a certain period of time mm-hmm. um so it's all it's a very it's very um communal learning and very uh question driven and very like learner directed mm. um which felt so amazing. And their space mm-hmm. was cool. Mm-hmm. And there was a, wor- a wood shop, so every student who get- went there like, had to do the tutorial of like, how to use basic tools. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like from like, K-, K through 8. <laughs> like, everyone mm-hmm. knew how to use basic tools and were like, sort of just expected to, mm-hmm. to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, something that makes me wonder is like, now that the four of us are all adults and for the most part, not in the formal schooling system anymore. Like, what do you think of yourself now? Or how do you think of yourself now as a learner? Or do you? And what does that look like? Like, what form does it take? What feels satisfying? I guess I'm... What learning process feels satisfying? And, like, what are the elements to that? Mm -hmm. Um, When I was in sixth grade, I was randomly unschooled. As in, my mom pulled us out of six, pulled us out of school, my brother and I, um, and moved us from the Bay Area to the Central Valley, and then just chose to not enroll us in school for that year. It was a really, I, I have tried to ask her, like, why? But ultimately, it was the best year of education that I ever had. Um, and it was mostly because, like, she was like, we're homeschooling, 
do some math, do some history. And I was like, but I'm a child. <laughs> like, what do you mean by that? And then, you know, like, ultimately, I was left to my own to just do my thing. Um, and through that, I was started teaching myself French from, like, these audio tapes that I would get from the library. And I learned a lot about tuberculosis for some reason. <laughs> and I read a lot of Greek mythology. And I taught myself to cook. And, like, at least those things have stayed awesome. with me. Not really French in any way whatsoever. I can't think of any of it right now. But I remember knowing how to get myself to the library and get a library card and do all those things as well. Um, but so that is, and I think that's question-driven learning, although the questions, no one told me what questions to ask. No one was like, hey, learn something here. Or I guess that's what my mom said, and then she kind of let me do it. Um, but it was like, I wonder, I wonder how planes work. I'll just go on to what was then, you know, in lieu of Google or anything, or Wikipedia, was um, Microsoft Encarta was like yes. an encyclopedia on a CD-ROM. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god, I love that. And there was like a um, trivia game in there that you like wove through like a castle. And I played that game so much that I eventually like, I never, I, I saw like all of the questions multiple times. I never, like at some point mm. I didn't see any more new questions. And I was like, I must have gone through all the questions in the encyclopedia you passed the test (laughs) and then i went back to school and that was rough (laughs) yeah it was not a good time so that is how i see myself as my best learner self Mm -hmm. is like what am i possibly curious about right now how can i hold that curiosity and and it's about all sorts of different things almost to the point of like i can barely complete a thing because i'm like oh what's that thing and that's super enabled by having supercomputers around constantly all the time Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't really know how to answer this question. What was it again? Like, say it again. I like the way you rephrased it, which is like, now that we're out of the formal learning system, mm-hmm. like, what do you think is your best learner self? Or, mm-hmm. like, when is learning the most satisfying for you mm-hmm. now? Um, I have realized that one of my hobbies because it's something that I love to do and I have no interest in doing it professionally, is transcribing music so that I can play it on instruments. Mm-hmm. So, and one of the... And so for a while that was just, um, oh, I know the chords to this song, so I'm going to put it onto this website so that other people can play this song if they want to. But then it was like, I really want to know the chords to the song, but it's not on this website. So how do I go about figuring that out? And I found websites that like Chordify.com that will you play a song from YouTube and they tell you what the chords are. Mm-hmm. But if it's not in the key that you want, you have to figure out how to transpose that. Because unless you want to pay them money, they won't transpose it for you. Mm-hmm. So I studied music theory for two semesters in college. And this is the the first time that I've ever, like, gone back to that knowledge mm. um, to help figure out how to do this thing. I'm spending so many hours <laughs> doing this, but I'm, like, I'm not, it's 100% a hobby, but I think it's, I don't know, maybe just the focus. I like how I learn stuff through that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it sounds like there's delight in it. Yeah, for, for sure. Total delight. And I like how I'm listening to music now, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. after I've started transcribing songs onto it, I've started hearing music differently. Mm-hmm. Which it's is... like changed you. Yeah. 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 It's, it's transformative. Yeah. 
<laughs> How would you answer that question? I think my best learner self, or the thing that I find most satisfying is actually, it, it's the version of me who needs to write a thing because I'm like trying to figure out this question that's <laughs> bugging me. Mm-hmm. Like, how, like an example might be, um, one thing I'm working on is like, I totally drank the Kool-Aid of design thinking and I'm like asking a lot of questions about that right now of like how do you do that in a responsible way what are what is the actual values in the tools of design thinking without being colonialist about it and oh my god it's colonialist when did that happen um and like so I'm trying to work through that and the way I work through that is by writing and by writing I mean the, the writing, but also the research and the reading and the thinking and the conversations I have around what I'm writing. Um, so, and, and, in, and in doing that whole process and in writing it, I come on the other side to different insights and different ways of thinking about it and different ways of reconciling it for myself. Um, and like a bonus byproduct is I get to share it. <laughs> and other people get to read it and other people get to go on some of that journey. Um, but like I think the the best pieces I write are driven by that the question that bugs me or mm. the question that I need to write through to answer mm. and I think that's a learning thing because mm-hmm. it's like I don't go in with an ending mm. in like I don't know the ending right I like need to get there through this process mm-hmm. what what type of writing are you are you doing this through um sometimes it's essays sometimes it's comics mm. comic essays mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. yeah cool mm. yeah mm. okay how would I answer that I think um yeah for me when I have my best learning experiences uh, it's a combination of like there's the animating question, if you will, or like a thing that I want to know or want to do, um, and then I just kind of follow the path to get there. Um, I think what I do, I, t- I have two tendencies that I am working on. One of which is, oh my gosh, I need to like douse myself in as much of the knowledge about whatever this thing is before I can do anything related to this thing, aka perfectionism, but. Not quite that. It's more like, I don't know, like I have to know, I have to like get myself to a certain plateau of quote unquote knowledge before I can learn anything, which doesn't really make sense. (laughs) Um, And then the other tendency I have is um, sometimes it can be like too desperate, you know, like I I enjoy having like a thing that I want to make. Or a question I want to answer so that it kind of puts some boundaries on the rabbit holing. Otherwise, I can rabbit hole for like months um, and then feel like I'm not really moving forward because I don't feel like I've gotten to a different place than I was before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think when, yeah, my best learning experiences tend to be, obviously, because I've asked so much about questions, like having something that I want to make, something that I want to answer, and then... Like, working my way through that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What are examples of times when you've been able to... uh, Like, you're saying sometimes you get stuck in the the rabbit hole or too much, like, trying to accumulate too much knowledge before you start. What are Mm -hmm. the times when you don't do that or when you're able to 
to get yourself out of that or like move forward? Hmm. I can't really think of any recent examples. Hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can't think of recent examples, which might be why I feel like the, the last time I felt like truly satisfied with learning in that way. And now that I'm saying this, I think there's like a difference between the deep, like a deep, like inquiry learning, because you want to make a thing or answer a question. And then the like, I learn how to make like bread machine bread, right? Mm -hmm. That's really satisfying. But I, mm. it's funny that I'm not calling that learning, you know? Mm. So mm. it's almost as if in my mind, there's like different ways of different things to learn. And there's something I'm desiring that's in the like making the thing or answering like a question learning um that is what I am like what I still want to do mm. if that makes sense I don't feel like I have like good examples of that necessarily so is, the, is it the outcome and how the outcome is possibly or not being shared with others impacting some of that like, maybe like, I might, I might just be yeah. projecting this onto what you're saying. Mm. Um, but, like, if I'm making a thing or answering a question, then you're going to have to be beholden to the person that receives that thing or receives that answer. You know, whether it be a discussion among peers or teaching or writing, blogging, things like that where it goes out. Mm -hmm. Versus, like, you try bread and you're, you're the recipient of your own work mm -hmm. in that way. So, like, mm -hmm. I don't like the bread. You just throw it out and you do it again. And, like, the risk is super low that you will have to be beholden to anybody else unless you're mm -hmm. sharing it with other people. Mm -hmm. And then maybe by then you're like, I'm not ready to share my bread until, <laughs> I, my bread. <laughs> until I know how to bread. <laughs> until I know how to bread, yeah. I don't know. It kind of it goes a little bit back to, like, oh, don't we have, fun, you know, fancy yeah. opinions or something? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I don't know if that's connecting to what you were saying. It totally saying. does, yeah. Right. I'm sure there's some part of that. And mm -hmm. so... So I, yeah, I think I'm looking, or I'm just curious for like what's kind of in between those two where it's like, yes, it can feel as like fun and easy as learning how to make bread and can also feed this like deeper inquiry path, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'll have to think on that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can I ask a question about teaching for Jen and Christina? Uh -huh. um, you guys didn't study education in school. Mm -hmm. Did you? Mm -hmm. I got an A in early childhood education. Oh, okay. I did You also did one semester. Okay. I did one semester post baccalaureate. Mm -hmm. I was going to get a teaching certificate in Texas and I dropped out. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, never mind. I thought that both of you had like not studied teaching I was in definitely some... teaching before I took that class. Mm -hmm. Those in like professional, classes. yeah, settings. Um, yeah. How how did you? Well, there's like yeah. Professional how did you get settings. to that point? Because I think I, I have never taught anything. Is how I think. Is I, how I feel. I, I know that I that want is to wrong. Ask a question of that, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I know that that's probably wrong, but I've I've never taught anything. Certainly never taught anything in a professional standing. Mm. And I think I made that decision really early on that you would not do that because I think in in college I was like, I don't like kids. I don't want to teach kids. <laughs> I don't want to go. I don't want to. I don't want to study long enough to teach college, and I definitely don't want to teach high school. So I'm not going to be a teacher. Mm. So I'm not going to. So I never did any like teaching classes, teaching degrees, anything like that. Mm -hmm. 
And I think I'm still in the, in the mindset of like, how do you even get to teaching anything if you haven't studied it? Like, how do you, how do they even let you teach stuff? And so <laughs> I'm just, I was just curious how you guys got mm-hmm. into it. Um, I started in teacher roles as a young kid, basically, um, helping out my brother's special ed class. And so mm-hmm. being like a teacher's helper and kind of doing like an apprenticeship in that way sure. mm-hmm. with like, this is how a teacher engages, you know, students and, you know, how to set up a classroom, how to set up for activities. My, my education as being an instructor was always activity based, which makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. for what I do now and why like classroom <laughs> education was so difficult. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I had a lot of practice from an early age and it's interesting you say that about yourself because my thinking um, at at the age of, like, what am I going to do? I'm 17. Next year I'm going to be an adult. Was like, well, I think I'll be a mother someday. So I'll, mm-hmm. I better practice working mm-hmm. with young children. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being okay because it is knowledge that I've used and I, I appreciate that I have that, even though, like, the motivation was uh, naively driven. Mm-hmm. But it was it was somewhat of a similar, like especially as women, how do we relate to children and that determines like what we can do with ourselves? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I don't, I don't know if it, um, I don't know if it was as connected as that. Mm-hmm. I think it was more like I didn't, I only thought that teaching was in a school. Mm-hmm. So it was for kids, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even like college kids, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so in my head, I was like, if I don't want to, be in a situation where I have to teach them, mm-hmm. then I guess I don't want to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. 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 So, <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. That's what this whole episode is about, right? Like mm-hmm. we're we limit ourselves to thinking of if you're a student, it only happens in these settings, mm-hmm. and if you're a teacher, it only happens in these settings, right. and if you're not in those settings, you are neither. Right. Yeah, <laughs> which is like <laughs> never <laughs> again after age like what twenty. <laughs> Two yeah. for many of us. Which is yeah. a very sad fate for our world, yeah. <laughs> if that's the case, yeah. right? Um, yeah. I don't, I have so much in my head right now, I don't know where to start answering. <laughs> okay. Like how you started with teaching? Um, yeah. I guess, I mean, that was the first thing, is like, I questioned the, the premise of that question, <laughs> but how did I, th- okay, yeah, what are the questions? <laughs> what do you want to um, <laughs> You have taught, uh, like, community college courses. I'm assuming you have done other teaching in a, like, quote-unquote professional meaning. Like, somebody has hired you to do it. I'm just curious how you got into that. Because in my head, growing up, the only way to get to that was to have a degree Mm -hmm. that had education in the title. Mm -hmm. You know? So, that Uh, is obviously not true. Um... Um, I'm ha- I'm having trouble with this question because it is, it is like, it's been such a journey mm. for like twenty years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, maybe the the more meta way to answer it, I think I realized more recently in like twenty sixteen that I was hosting, I was hosting this, my friend and I hosted this uh, artist retreat for women because we were like, there was this program we saw that took um, artists to Iceland and then they like all got to like share their craft while they were exploring Iceland for a week. Mm. And we, and me and my friend Jen were like, that seems so cool. 
and also we can't go and also it's super expensive <laughs> um let's just do our do it on our let's do our own version in the bay area there's parks here <laughs> and then we had her empty house between when they bought it and when they were renovating it so we we're like let's just camp out in your empty house and like invite a bunch of our artist friends and like do this thing um and because I was facilitating that and asking people to do this uh, exercise where I gave everyone five blank name tags and be like, introduce yourself, who are you? Mm. Um, and you have five name tags. Um, one of the ones that I came up with for myself was holder of blank space. Um, and I feel like I've said that in Mount Cass context before and I've said that. And um, I think that was when I like finally realized like, oh, that's who I am. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's my version of teaching. And it took me, like, many years of trying to... So so, so when I was a little kid in, like, second grade, when they asked you, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, one of my answers was teacher. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and it's true in the sense of, like, I'm a holder of blank space. The way I teach is, like put you in a bunch of put you in a room give you a bunch of prompts and be like go <laughs> like there is no way right um and that is sort of what my comics class was was like here's a bunch of comics read them make your own <laughs> um like it's my favorite way of teaching but i think in between the instinct as a kid knowing that i was a teacher and like figuring out my version of teaching it like was all the in between of um Teachers need a need a certificate to teach in Texas. Let me go try to do that. Teachers teach after school programs. Let me try to do that. Teachers mm -hmm. like do such and such in artisan ways. And like every single time I've and I've taught in lots of institutions in many iterations, um, and like it's it was me trying to figure that out. Like what is teaching and mm -hmm. why did, why do I suck at it? <laughs> why, like I like. And I went back and forth between, like, design jobs and trying to be a teacher. And then I went back to design and then I tried to be a teacher again. And, like, every time I went back and was trying to teach within institutions and within, like, what a teacher is in this culture, like, I sucked at it. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's my answer. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's fine. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. No wonder that was hard to birth. You were like, it's all the things. It's yeah. everything. Everything. It's been everything. Yeah. yeah. And it's still, it's still, like, when I... Talk, like when I talk to the community college people about what classes I want to do, it's still sort of like, well, <laughs> not, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Actually, this might be a good time too then to bring Pope in a little bit. I was gonna say this feels yeah. very Pope. Question. It does yeah. feel like a Pope question. It feels like a natural. <laughs> oh, like, such a bad name. <laughs> such a bad name. You just <laughs> all right. We've had you so just much... stop using it and okay. something else. <laughs> Okay, uh, pop ed. There you go. Pop ed. Pop ed. I am curious about uh, what pop ed is at Mount Kaz, and then what are you excited about it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's still a complicated still, question. Well, it's still yeah. emerging. We can yeah. just say that. Like, yeah. it's it's a thing that's in progress, and a bunch of us are like interested in trying to figure it out yeah. because there's a lot of energy around this question of mm -hmm. like. Who's a learner? Mm -hmm. Who can teach? Who's teaching? How are we all learning all the time anyway? And how do we like mm -hmm. do more of that and make it more accessible and make and bring people into it? Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I think um, for me, my understanding of it is uh, just like a, a different alternative way of sharing in like information gathering and learning together. It's a, it's emergent, co-emergent learning environments. So I do struggle with the education word for that specifically. I'm excited about the opportunity to just be like um, in our Slack channel. I think you saw it, yeah. Um, I was like, I need to make some makeup because I make my own makeup and like I know that I need to make more and I'll need to buy some supplies for it and like makeup making just by way too much. So I might as well have like a little class about it. Um, and so the opportunity to be like, I know how to do a little bit of a thing that is so like different. You don't, you might have to pay a lot of money for a class like this, but we could just do it together at my house and we can just share in this experience together. That's what I'm excited about for that. That's what I'm excited about too. The different way to think about that or another way to think about that is like a lot of us as adults are constantly learning Mm -hmm. and doing things, right? Like Alicia just learned bread machine. Arne is like learning chords to Mm -hmm. transcribe songs, right? And so how do we make those experiences that we're all learning individually? How do we make it, make more opportunities to make those communal learning experiences? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and that just feels really exciting. So, like, for one example I was thinking about is sort of, like, I go down a lot of rabbit holes <laughs> around specific, like, books or, like, topics or themes, especially when I'm, like, writing something. And it'd be, it'd be so nice to go... Or, like, quilting. I've been quilting lately. It would be so fun to, like, invite others down the rabbit hole with me. What I like about the pop-ed um, ethos, right, is that... You're like, hey, I've got a rabbit hole. Who wants to come with me? Mm-hmm. And then it's a chance for like me to go on all these little journeys. Because yeah. like I don't make my own makeup. Mm-hmm. But I think it's super interesting that you do. And now I'm like, how do you do it? Right? Yeah. Or, yeah, mm-hmm. um, zines. Or like even illustrations. Or like ukulele. You know, I don't even know how to think about going down that rabbit hole. I don't know that I would on my own. But I love that you all do. So I'm like, can I come with you? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what I love about that idea. Yeah. It's fun to have the space to be like, I, I want to learn how to do this thing. And someone else be like, I want to learn how to do that too. Just because you brought it up. And that's kind of cool. Versus like, why would you want to learn about that thing? Why don't you just go to Buy Mart, buy some makeup. Jen. <laughs> Which no one has ever no said to me. Ever. But that's oh, yeah. the fear that lives inside of me. That's like, if I bring this up. In some way, then I will be obviously like, that's a stupid thing to learn. Mm-hmm. Trolls already make that for you somewhere in a different country and they ship it over here. Just pay them your money. Mm-hmm. That's really cynical. <laughs> <laughs> it's not false, though. <laughs> the other motivation that maybe we should be more explicit about, or we should be explicit about it so we can figure out if we actually align on it. Mm-hmm. For me, part of it is also to to have people like you, Arnea, who's like, I'm not a teacher. I didn't get a certificate to be like, hey, teach me ukulele. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, you're uh, a teacher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, But it's mm-hmm. definitely a driving force for me to like make it more visible how much learning and how much teaching yeah. we already do all the time anyway. Yeah. Specifically for me, it's about power dynamics. Yeah. And yeah. In, in, in that some people can be teachers because they have these degrees and they've gone through this training and that means that other people are not, cannot, should not, will not teach ever. And that just kind of disrupting that, like, you know, degree is useful because sometimes, like, practical knowledge like this is how to transition a class is right. practical knowledge that you might not have if you don't have that experience. But also we're constantly sharing information, you know, and, and that is a form of teaching. Yeah. 
That reminds me of, uh, I have a friend who's at Harvard Divinity School right now, and one of her classes is Freedom School based. Mm-hmm. So the class itself, like the students in the class are creating, co-creating their own syllabus. Like right now, I'm going through that process. Right? I'm so excited about that. And just like <laughs> thinking about that happening within this institution just is amazing. Mm-hmm. And freedom schools and like that history, like the, the, all the history around popular education, there's so much richness and so much to draw on, which is basically all the questions we were talking about earlier around student-directed learning, we're learning around questions, learning like real-world applicability, like learning together, like as adults, right? Like mm-hmm. we have all those models of alternative schools as kids, but then like as adults, there's also community-based popular education models that have done this and done this well. Mm-hmm. And so... That stuff really excites me, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As you can tell, as I start talking really, really fast, I feel like let's <laughs> talk about this topic. There's so many, so many things. You've been listening to Dispatches from Mount Kaz, conversations from a creative community. Recorded, produced at Mount Kaz Studios in Corvallis, Oregon. Check out the show notes for music credits and more information about the people and things we talked about. As a question, the mute button should be red? Yes. Okay, great. If it's flashing, I think it's a bad design. It's a mm-hmm. terrible design. It should just be off, right? Yeah. yeah. It should just be off unless yeah. it's depressed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Depressed? <laughs> what if it's anxious? Yeah. Right, yeah. How should it be then? <laughs> flashing. <laughs> For sure. Oh my god. <laughs>